Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live at one. Welcome to Mist Apex Podcast, powered by SpannersReady.com. Thanks for joining me today in the podcasting shed. I'm your Tech Time host, Matt Trumpets. Joining me tonight in what he swears will be a mostly silent producer's role, it's Spanners Ready himself. I promise nothing, Matt. But yes, probably best that I, I slink into the background. My, my lack of technology is, is now renowned. Yes, well, but you you have always thus far proved yourself to be the useful idiot on the show, if nothing less. You know, I said it on e-radio show, I'm the fat kid that owns the good football. So because I've got the recording equipment, that's why you invite me. You don't have to pretend anything else. Well, well no, but you ask the good questions, too, because you understand nothing. We, <laughs> we actually have to defend what we're talking about. You make a good check on our general knowledge. What's a front wing? Hey, uh, before I do hand over to you in general, some of you may have noticed there was a bit of a whirlwind around me on social media. There were some events. Things got emotional for a little while. And I'm not going to go into it here because I think I set the record straight on my website. But what I did want to say is that surprisingly for such a small project uh, and, you know, a very, very new podcast, I think I had about about 35 to 40 individual humans on this planet send uh, messages in support on Twitter, uh, emails, and on our Facebook group, Missed Apex Podcast. And I just want to say, you know, thanks so much for that and say I'm almost glad all of that stuff happened and I really appreciate it. So before I get uh, all sentimental and mushy, Matt, what have you observed from the week of racing, given we haven't had a race this weekend? Well, actually, a ton has been going on, but I think my favorite was uh, Stoffel Van Dorn, who, who, who has said that there's nothing more he can do to prepare himself for a role at McLaren, including apparently suffering a brake failure at the uh, Super Formula race this weekend in Ouch. Japan. He was doing well. <laughs> he got pole, didn't he? Yeah, he did get pole. And then he he drove backwards through the field and then his brakes failed. So I, I see that as being perfect preparation for life at McLaren. Excellent. Harsh words. Let's see what the rest of the internet makes of that. Right. So for those of you just finding us, we are an independent podcast hosted on SpannersReady.com, podcast and blogs. So what are we giving you that you can't get elsewhere? We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday commute. This show is safe for work. Mostly. Not so much the live stream, but the show itself, safe for work. We are keeping it clean here so you can play this with the kids in the background or in the car and at work. So that's the housekeeping. Details on how to join the conversation to follow. All right. Some guests? Yeah, you know, I think we should bring some guests along. In particular, I think we should bring along Summers F1, Matt Summers, assistant technical editor at motorsport.com and generally very knowledgeable fellow. And you were live at the Silverstone GP, is that correct? That's right. And hello, guys. So jealous. So jealous, man. Especially to call that a work weekend, Summers. 
It was a work weekend. <laughs> oh, he's a Grand Prix. It's, it's like when Matt says his trumpets is work. It is. Oh, by the way, I've been meaning to say, um, I, I ended up adding you in a WhatsApp group with Ken and Matt, and I've had to mute it because of the amount of tech, tech waffle going through there. Are they bullying you, Summers? Are they, are they using you for your tech knowledge on a constant basis? No, it's all good. <laughs> well, perhaps we should introduce some other participants in that chat then. Joining us next is everyone's favorite, the American yin to my yang. Vortex Motio. Hey guys, good to be here. Yep. So, so you finally saw the race we talked about last week. What do you think? Um, well, F1 I think is at its best when it's moving between wet and intermediate conditions and dry. And uh, so, it was a great race. Yeah, we- that that Bernie might have had the right idea with sprinklers after all. As much as I hate to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> What season was it where we went nearly the whole season without any wet running whatsoever? Was that twenty? Was that twenty thirteen? And it really suffered for it. And that was the same season that Red Bull dominated. I don't recall the season, but I remember people were like praying for rain, and that's when the sprinklers' idea seemed to be suddenly smart. It was uh, made for a bad season. Matt, I'm failing in my producer role because I've already lost Catman F1, who's showing up as yellow on the on this stream. But I'll I'll let you know when he's back and back on live on the call. Uh oh. Well, I think I think we've had an update on that. Apparently, his PC decided to take a nap. Well, that's just inconsistent. That's just rude, Catman. He's, Commitment. He's he's going to give us a shout as soon as he gets it up and running again. Do you want some? I don't know some tech time music of some sort. Absolutely. Let's have some. Tech Time in association with Amanda Weaver Writes. Follow Amanda Weaver on Twitter. She writes books that make ideal gifts for your wife that will keep her busy while you do whatever you want. Let's talk tech, Matt. Indeed. And as you know, we didn't just have a race with a bucket full of updates, but then we promptly had some testing afterwards. Did you know that, Spatters? Oh, I was paying full attention to that. So what these testing, there's points for that, is there? How many points? Well, no, there's not points, but uh, they were. Now, I, I, I admit I was derelict in my tech time duty this week. And rather than going and looking up all the associated regulations, I actually went out to Prospect Park and ate a Kati Donner kebab, which is a little shop run by friends of mine. But if I'm remembering correctly, they have to run some young drivers at the test this time around. Is that correct, Summers? It is, yeah. So one of the days, at least one of the days, they have to have a young driver in the in the car. Um, so obviously all the teams that were there, Sabre excluded, obviously, um, had a young driver to test as well. Yeah, and that led to some interesting observations and, and there were some updates, but I think you wanted to start with the updates at Silverstone proper. So how about we start at the top of the ladder and work our way down? Okay, so... At the top of the ladder, well, there's only one team, isn't there? And that's Mercedes. So, yeah, they they had numerous updates for for Silverstone yet again. Um, They've updated their front wing again. So uh, where they used to run a gurney flap at the top of the top flap, uh, that was taken away, had new barge boards. (laughs) What's a gurney flap? A gurney flap. <laughs> See, this is why Spanners needs to be on board. Just look Useful at idiot, that. just like I said. Oh, there, so, there are nicer ways to say it, Matt. That's all I'm saying. Summers. <laughs> right, okay. A gurney flap is basically um, a section or a piece of bodywork that is in the opposite direction to the actual flap itself. So it's used to balance the downforce. It's something that most people see on the rear wing. Uh, it's sort of like a 20 millimeter tab that runs across the cord of the, the top of the flap. Um, and yeah, it's just, just a, more of a balancing sort of device more than anything else. So yeah, Mercedes had one, had, had taken theirs off on the front wing. Um, they had a new set of barge boards, which are very similar to the ones that they had before, but they've refined them, uh, much the same as they've been doing with a lot of things this season. Uh, mm-hmm. They had a new diffuser winglet, which again had more slots in it. Um, for those fans of slots, because I know there's lots of people out there that like to count the slots on things. Um, and they had a totally new rear wing, which was probably, in my opinion, one of the, the more interesting developments because it followed the line of Toro Rosso and it had these sort of serrated edges 
on the on the louvres to displace the uh, the drag I was very interested in those because Toro Rosso has been running that wing for a while now, and others on the in the paddock have also copied that design. Correct? Well, Toro Rosso started the season with it. That actually, the the STR eleven went to preseason testing with that style of rear wing, and um, the only other team that have copied it since is Sauber. Um, but yeah, they're the only other ones: Mercedes, Toro Rosso, and Sauber will run it in Hungary. Right, and what are they trying to achieve with those uh, with those serrations uh, in terms of the airflow? Okay, so it's how the the airflow builds over the wing. What you get at the juncture where the flap meets the end plate is you get two pressure gradients, which create a vortex, and that vortex can be damaging to both downforce and can have a drag increase. So what they all of the teams use these louvers to try and displace the vortex and change the shape of the vortex. Now, these particular louvers have obviously um, everybody's been studying since Toro Rosso bought them on, um, and they obviously now feel that that might be a, a decent development path to follow. So it's not like when McLaren decided to just randomly put a sail underneath their rear wing and everyone looked at it and went, yeah, that that is so different that it's either genius or just uh, idiocy and turned out to be not genius. <laughs> well... There's still potential with that rear wing end plate that McLaren ran. Um, I think we might see it again further down the line, but it didn't do what they wanted it to achieve in Austria, that's for certain. It looked like a freak show. It was one step away from a six-wheeled Tolman, wasn't it? <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm just interrupting. Oh, by the way, speaking of interrupting, I've just got a tweet through uh, asking, asking Matt to check his Twitter or at least the note under the door, and that's from your wife, who tweeted a couple of weeks ago and said... Is anybody else in the situation where they can't get hold of their husband by the phone or by text, but Twitter? He always sees Twitter. Well, that might be more my personal personal circumstance. Um, but I want to ask, how many different front wings has Mercedes had so far this year? I'm not actually counting. Um, it's more iterational um, in terms of Mercedes. They've not had a philosophy change as such, but they do keep bringing these iterational changes. So it's not been at every Grand Prix, but they have made several changes throughout the year. I think we've probably took about four different designs in total so far, just re- realigning the airflow at, at the front of the car. But that, I mean, is to me that just seems astonishing given what looks to be their already insurmountable lead over the rest of the field, that they would continue to develop at that pace. Yeah, well, I, I almost feel like Mercedes were sandbagging over the last few years and have had many ideas that they perhaps hadn't brought to the car um, and, and have continued to develop those ideas. Because what's the point in being five seconds down the road to the rest of the, the teams in 2014? You know, the, when you can continue to develop, that, that kind of is the impression that I'm getting this season because they've just got that vast a, a gap over everybody, which has appeared again now. We, we're talking... A second a lap again at the moment so i have a couple of questions one uh, matt's point is uh or mr trumpet's point matt and matt uh what well, uh is interesting is that phenomenal the number of front wings that uh mercedes has had or is that something that we've seen in the past uh or current practice from teams that have a similar budget such as red bull and ferrari um, yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a pattern that we've seen before Red Bull certainly had that pattern back in 2012, 2013. Um, but we have seen other teams attempt big, vast update changes on the front wing because of the difference that it can make to the entire car setup. Um, Williams are perhaps, perhaps the, the biggest um, example of that. I think it was 2012 where they had sort of nine different wing configurations. Wow. So it wasn't full nine philosophies, but it was, you know, sort of, big time changes so yeah um williams would stand out in that respect so um, my other question is that you and the fabulous uh, giorgio piola you had a nice uh, couple of articles on silverstone updates and uh you mentioned in regards to mercedes uh something about an ers cooler and that there was a change so which way did they go did they go bigger did they need more ers cooling and if so why Right, okay. So obviously they had issues in Austria with brake-by-wire and the braking system. 
and the way that obviously the ERS and the break by wire failed. So the changes that were made at Silverstone, I don't think were reactionary as such, but they did have an impact in terms of um, changing the way in which the air was passed to that cooler because it sits at the back of the engine cover be- behind the um, the power units itself. Um, it's in quite a decent position in terms of getting clean airflow. So, yeah, they did increase the size of the cooler and the blister that was on the engine cover bodywork also changed. That was, from the outside, that's what most people would have seen. Got a question from the chat room if uh, if it's a good time. Uh, you can join the chat room by going to spannersready.com forward slash live stream and join us live. We've got a tech expert here who answers questions. Don't just let Matt and Ken be the only ones who nag him all day long. MG5904 in the chat room from America Land says, How long is the gestation of a new front wing idea designed to race ready? Because you were telling us before, uh, Summers, that you know they 3D print some of these things on site for the race so can they can they literally just have an idea and go aha i know more flappy bits print it stitch it on go um well yeah in some respects they won't seem it isn't as simple as that these days you know back in the past it might have been a case of teams cutting wings down and all sorts of things to try the manual approach but you don't tend to see that anymore because of the correlation work that goes on in the background, because the work that goes on in CFD and the wind tunnel can accurately, accurately predict what you're going to achieve at the circuit. So, you know, there is a there is a gestation period in normal circumstances, but if they do find something that is going to give them a big advantage, then yeah, they, they will cut and shut parts in. Um, we've seen that and we continue to see that going forward. So, speaking of front wings, um, you know, Force India, they're not a big budget team. They brought in a new front wing. It seemed to have made a world of difference. Is that uh, unusual for a mid-budget, lower-budget team to bring in a front wing? And and to my mind, it seems like it's unusual for it to make such a drastic difference, right? You know, is that – what's your impression of that? Okay, so I think there's two things you have to consider there. Uh, Force India, as you say, are a lower-budget team, but they're actually working from the tunnel in Cologne, which is the Toyota tunnel, and it is perhaps the best tunnel in the world. You know, So McLaren work out of there, and so do Force India because there's two tunnels on site in Cologne. Um, because their, their facilities uh, back at the factory are, are just poor in comparison. So that at the start of the year now, the teams have to adopt a tunnel they cannot say mid-season, oh, well, I'm just going to go and test in a different tunnel, as Ferrari used to do in the past. Um, and going back to the performance of that front wing, I think what we have to think about is the fact that this is a very Mercedes-esque front wing. It has the sort of Venturi tunnel on the outside of the the the, the front wing itself. Um, so, yeah, there's massive potential there, but it's Force India following a concept that already works. Um Mercedes introduced that very early in 2015 and I've obviously refined it down the line. But I believe that obviously Force India have, have looked at that approach, think it's going to work, lopped, lopped it on the car and, yeah, they're getting the results from it. So, uh, Toro Rosso, what, uh, what explains their performance? Is it aerodynamics then, like uh, what Force India has done or what are we looking at there? Well, I think Toro Rosso are kind of one of those oddities amongst the grid because we have to remember that they've got a 2015 power unit rather than a 2016 power unit. So they're obviously down in terms of direct engine power. Um, They're slightly adrift in terms of fuel economy and they're also going to be suffering from um, a, a difference in terms of energy recovery as well. So in that respect, I think they're doing an exceptional job, but they always tend to be able to uh, manage the tyres very well under whatever conditions we we seem to see. Hmm. Well, I wanted to ask you, because get back to Mercedes, if you don't mind for a second, because they moved that Urs cooler because they were having brake issues at the previous race, and yet they still had brake issues at this race. So do you think that solution wasn't sufficient, or do you think it was just a unique combination of circumstances they couldn't adequately uh, foresee? 
a bit of both. And you have to remember that lead time in terms of part development on Formula One cars isn't oh, uh, something that can happen overnight. You know, these things are ended up going through rigorous testing before they reach the car. So that update that was put onto the, the Mercedes car would have been well in advance of what the problems were in Austria. So you can't react fully. Um, but on top of that, we also have to remember that the protocol changes that came in in terms of the tyre pressures, et cetera, as well. Well, and that was going to be my other question to you is you're talking about Mercedes being ever so much far ahead, but they're ever so much far ahead with a pretty massive change in the way that tyre pressures are monitored and the way the tyres are mounted relative to the entire rest of the season. Yeah, so for those that aren't aware, obviously Pirelli and the FIA have now taken away the opportunity for the teams to be able to increase the pressures via temperatures um, before they, they, they actually go on the car, um, which is something that kind of means that the grid should have got shook up again. And I think that's what the play was by everybody that, is surrounding the sport. Um, they wanted to try and take this sort of effect away from Mercedes because they felt it was something that they were gaining the most advantage from. It's like Frick all over again, isn't it? <laughs> I was just going to say exactly the same, Frick. So they um, thought they were taking away a key card from Mercedes, but but really it's the fact is that Mercedes probably are in the best place to adapt to these quick rule changes. So they, they've disadvantaged everyone but yeah, pretty much. And, I, and unfortunately, I think it's disadvantaged the teams that were perhaps the closest to Mercedes. You know, Ferrari yeah. seem to have dri drifted a little bit away. Williams have been impacted massively because they have tyre issues anyway. And Massa. Uh, They've also got Massa to think, you know, so. <laughs> I don't. I, <laughs> ouch, I, I, ouch. I'm not going to have an opinion on the Brazilian. <laughs> Boo, look at you proper FIA people. <laughs> Yeah, but so, so do you think that? Oh, sorry, Ken, go ahead. Well, I was just going to disagree there because I, to frame it like that, as if they're concerned about Mercedes running away with that technology, the impression that I got was that Ferrari and Red Bull were looking to go in that same direction. And the concern actually came not not just from the other teams so like, hey, gee, do we need to blow, you know, a million or two? Uh, to try to go in this direction, but it also came from Pirelli on the other side that said, hey, we're, you know, we have no budget and we have load issues with the tires. We're raising the pressures for a certain reason and we have guys that we are pretty confident are running lower pressures than are needed. We don't want to see tires blowing up again. Um, and so that it came from for, uh, uh, Pirelli as well, which is why they had that weird comment that like, well, once we see that the pressures are where we want them to be, then we'll think about lowering them again. Yeah, well, obviously Pirelli have a big say over this whole scenario and something else that came about at Silverstone was obviously the, the wear limits that they were putting in place on, on the tyres as well, which kind of got scuppered by the whole wet race scenario. Um and the teams ran far longer on the tyres than was actually recommended. Um, and that was purely down to temperature again. You know, Pirelli had modelled those um, stint lengths based on a dry track. Um, and, and I think that the temperatures being a wet track moving to a dry track had a massive effect on, on the tyre length. Well, we'll see in the future, though, if that's right, because I had the impression that they were being very conservative on that stent length, and that part of it was just a PR exercise, which is if you blow up our tires, it's all your darn fault because we said don't do it after this many laps. Yeah, and also I think they were trying to force a two-stopper as well, you know, because you, with the stint, left, stint lengths that they were recommending, you couldn't do a one-stopper, and some teams could. It was it was more than viable, um, and I think for, uh, Pirelli were actually trying to force that matter. Right, but those are recommended. The teams are not required to follow them, unlike they are with the pressures. That's right. Yeah, but at the end of the day, if you if you're recommended something, then it, it egg on your face if you go beyond it and you do blow up the tires. I suppose. Hey, we've got yeah. Catman back. He's back on the call. Hello there. You finally made it. Hey, look, I'm not saying you need to spend a fortune to be on Missed Apex podcast, but I don't know, a little bit of investment, show a bit of commitment, a bit of willing. 
I'm uh, I'm blaming the uh, stifling hot temperatures here in the UK. My laptop just packed up. So. It's very hot for us. Uh, are we allowed to say where, where are you from? Where would you describe yourself as being from, Catman? In F1 terms. Oh, uh, how do you mean? He's he's a writer of some renown. He's a oh, writer right. of some renown. We'll leave it. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, Matt, are we leave moving on to Ferrari? <clears throat> Well, we haven't covered the Lewis Hamilton, Nico Rosberg penalty palooza yet, but otherwise I think we're pretty ready to go. Okay, so to summarize that quickly, though, uh, Lewis Hamilton, has he's on his last engine. Is that That's correct, isn't it? He's on his last engine, pretty much. Summer eyes. Very funny. Hey, that wasn't what I was going for, because I was going to say, I think that there is a genius move in the works that I read somewhere, I wish I could give credit where it's due, that basically what I didn't realize is, they can introduce a new engine, get a penalty, and then go back to the previous engine. So it's not a case of waiting for the fifth engine to blow up and then going on to the sixth and seventh engine. The plan I've heard they might be doing is in Spa, use an engine in practice, a new one, therefore get a 10-place grid penalty, and then for qualifying, put the seventh one in as well. So he's then got two engines in the loop, starts at the back of the grid on a track where he knows he can overtake and get back to the podium, that could that could really get rid of a lot of hurt all in one weekend. Yeah, that that's basically what I was going to say is that it is certain that at some point, and I think they're not clear yet whether it's going to be one or two engines. Although why they wouldn't go for two when they had the opportunity, I don't know. But well, it's it a lot of work, isn't it? It's a faff. It depends on how far down the grid they want to start as well. Yeah, so they can start at the back. It's yeah. Spa the best circuit to do that at because I mean you've got to be able to overtake and Spa's quite a difficult circuit. There's the odd the odd bit down the Kemmel Strait, but I mean wouldn't somewhere like Italy be a better place to go? I, I personally I would say Spa just because of the distance that this next engine's got to go. So we're talking about mileage on the current power unit, and if they can change it before they get to Monza, then obviously it just puts more power units in the loop so that they can average the mileage out that's where i think they're thinking of and it's not just the fact that it's uh for overtaking spa is a power track but also you need a good package all round which mercedes have so on lap time yes he might struggle to get the overtake but he's going to catch up to the next car very very quickly very very much so it looked like my insightfulness (laughs) hit you for six (laughs) I guess it's all about track position, though, because if you've not got the the power unit and the top speed to overtake, then then you're going to be stuck behind no matter how fast your car is. Wouldn't have invited him on if I'd known he was just going to disagree with me all the time. <laughs> Are you ready for a bumper yet, Matt? Um, yeah, unless Summers wants to talk about Nico and his gearbox real quick. I, I just wanted to mention about the penalty that everybody seems to think that Rosberg's going to take in the next Grand Prix at Hungary because everybody assumes that he's going to take a gearbox penalty and obviously he gets even more of a penalty for the, uh, the 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 situation that happened at Silverstone. And personally, I think there might be a, a bit of a sting in the tail there because we don't actually know whether that gearbox was damaged. I've looked through the press releases from Mercedes today and they're making no indication of it either. Um, and the chassis de- default setting that they changed was to change a sensor that didn't allow the gearbox to shift out a seventh. Ooh. So I don't think he's going to be getting that penalty, but we'll obviously have to wait and see in Hungary. That would have been, that would be a bad track to get a penalty on, as we know. Unless you're Lewis Hamilton, you're not getting past anyone around there. <laughs> Hashtag bias. <laughs> okay, we can move on to Ferrari now, I suppose, but not until I say awkward things. Never easy to go cap in hand to your listeners, but if you are the sort of person that supports content creators on Patreon, then I could perhaps encourage you to sling a dollar a month our way. You can go to spannersready.com, go to the support and contact page and click on the Missed Apex Patreon tab. And from there, uh, the rest is up to you. Over to you, Matt. Right. So Ferrari... And this, I think, ties back into what we were talking about earlier with the tire pressures. Ferrari seemed to be going entirely the wrong direction. And uh, there was an article about Marchioni showing up in Marinello and having some chats with some folks, which is uh, not necessarily a good thing, but also not necessarily a bad thing, depending upon whom you believe. Yeah, so Ferrari, unfortunately, this season... They started out looking like they might be able to challenge Mercedes. And then 
for some reason, the development of Mercedes just took off um, to a level that uh, I wasn't expecting from Mercedes in a season where we're, we're moving towards a new regulation set next year. And Ferrari, unfortunately, just haven't had the, the development available to them that takes them along on the ride with Mercedes. Um, Marchione was pretty bullish at the start of the season that we'd be seeing lots of wins from Ferrari. And although the rest of the team were obviously a bit coy about what was being said, um, I kind of expected a little more from Ferrari in terms of development. Ariba Veni, he was not coy. Before Barcelona, he was saying, we're, we're going to win Barcelona. And we were, so do you think that they genuinely believed that? Because we were speculating that perhaps that was just a talk to save his job, um, like a shot to nothing, really. Um, do you think they believed that they had a chance back then? Because their challenge seems to have drifted away since then. Yeah, and the, well, Barcelona's a bit of a strange one, isn't it? Because obviously we lost the Mercedes on the first lap. Um, and quite frankly, they might have just disappeared into the distance. Yeah. Had they not tricked one another up and then you later had, in the in the race. And then you had the wrong Ferrari behind Verstappen challenging for the win. Exactly. Um and, and I don't yeah. think that Ferrari really bargained for Red Bull to be that strong at Barcelona as well, quite frankly. So I think that kind of scuppered them too. Do you think it's Ferrari not developing quick enough or do you feel it's that Mercedes and Red Bull are just going much quicker than them and they're somehow able to get a magic bullet? Well, there's no such thing as a magic bullet um, in reality, but Ferrari, in my opinion, are a little slow on their development side of things considering how they said they were going to press this season. Their power unit side has developed quite nicely, um, but they've took penalties for that because, you know, they've, they've had to bring other other power units into their schedule perhaps a little sooner than they would have liked. Um, they've also had problems with their new gearbox arrangement this year um, because they rearranged things for for this season, um, and I think that's really played into um, Mercedes' hands, and it's also had a major effect on Sebastian Vettel. Um, but I think we'll come back to Red Bull later. Yeah, so we will. Go ahead, Ken. If I may, that's interesting that you mentioned the gearbox um, issues at Ferrari, and I hadn't really thought about that, but the gearbox ends up being pretty integral to the overall aerodynamics as well, and I see Ferrari's problems as being primarily aerodynamic, given that their, their motor is now up there. They should be more competitive if they had the aerodynamics. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Dynamics. Do you think that that gearbox that you mentioned? I was just kind of curious. Is there some aerodynamic effects from that, perhaps, or is it something more mechanical within the gearbox? Well, the the, the problems that they've had have been mechanical problems uh, rather than aero problems. And what they actually changed was to try to improve the aero. They actually narrowed the the coke bottle region to try and improve the diffuser performance. So, in in reality, it should have paid off. But obviously, it's caused some mechanical issues along the way. You know, there was 
interesting article, Ken, uh, about McLaren and their gearbox. And the I think is do they run mobile in their gearbox? Anyway, the technicians could microscopically examine the gearbox oil and tell which driver it came from because the gearbox is actually a stressed member of the chassis. And so it takes mechanical impact. It, it, it functions that way. And I'm just wondering if the narrowing of the Coke bottle might have had something to do with that now that you mention it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, because it, because of what they've actually done, technically they've taken on the Mercedes design, which is a cassette inside the gearbox. So it means that they can change things without having to take a penalty. Um, so um, you can change the 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 bell housing um, around the crash structure and you can change the suspension elements which they couldn't do last season because it was an integral part of the gearbox but obviously that has an effect on the loads that are generated at the gearbox and the surrounding casings etc as well so that could be um, a bit of an issue and especially like you say driver differences in terms of the way that they change gears and um, put loads through through the chassis uh, Vettel's obviously had the worst of it so far is the 2016 power unit and gearbox slightly more bulky than the 2015? Because I've seen pictures of the Torosso from above, which is obviously using the 2015 unit. And that, at the, certainly at the start of the season, had a much tighter rear end than, than the Ferrari did. Whoa, it's a family show, Catman. Sorry, I only caught the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, the 2015 power unit uh, ran with a charge cooler, which is basically um, involving a, a liquid-to-air um, cooling of the of the charge boost, so um, that ran between the V of the engine. But when they changed their turbocharger design, they had to move that out of the V because they needed the space within the V for the turbocharger and the MGUH. And in doing so, they then had to move all the coolers that surround the side pods, etc. So it's an it's an impact scenario. You change one thing, and you have to. It sort of mushrooms out and changes lots of other details as well. So, so let's look forward though with Ferrari. So there was some sort of news thing that Marchione had gone to Marinello. Um, for Ferrari going forward, I, I see teams primarily focused at this point in the season, given that there's a whole new set of rule changes that they're focused on 2017, right? So for Ferrari, if one is a Tifosi, what can they expect? Is it that they're going to finish pretty much where they're at now, or is it possible that they may step it up? What What do you foresee with Ferrari for the season? Um, I think we're kind of the status quo where we're at, unfortunately, because Mercedes have kind of drifted well beyond the realms of everybody else. So the fight realistically is between Red Bull and Ferrari behind. And it's not like you can sort of reassert the development from one group to another you know the 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 way that having to work on the on next year's regulations means that part of that part of the development team of each section has to go from one phase to another right and just just to get to it real quickly do you really think that is it ferrari going backwards is, is do you think that the change in the tires is sort of flattering Red Bull a little bit now and that they're better on it because, you know, as we're going to talk about their development in a minute, it, or is it really Ferrari have just lost the plot entirely? That one. Uh, <laughs> Typical you, Spanners. No, honestly, um, I just, I don't know what's going on. Like, you, you want a giant like that to do well, but you just, everyone's just in despair this season. Sorry, you carry on. Well, we haven't really seen a Ferrari aside from somebody a Spanish dragging one across the finish line, um, doing well for sort of nine years now, have we? So I think every F1 fan is kind of hoping that at some stage Ferrari come good again, at least. But yeah, uh, to answer your question, Trumpets, I think it, they've kind of dropped away um, and Red Bull have kind of gained from the whole tyre scenario as well. So it's all both things then. Right. Although I'm I'm curious to see what comes of Marchionne's conversations, because I, I had heard that he was not just going to be talking to the heads of state, but he was going to be going down and talking to people on the floor, trying to find out if there's information that's not being used or people that aren't being 
used as well as they could be at the factory. So it, it's going to be an interesting second half to the season, I think, for the Tifosi. Yeah, so it, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because people like Pat Simmons, when he's gone in and gone to Williams, it, it's a culture change that, that people like that change things but it doesn't happen happen overnight either you know you can kind of rally the troops as such but there's still a pr- procedural um element to things and if those procedures don't change so from the top down then it, you you struggle to, to to make these giant leaps that sort of ferrari are looking for well is there anything else you want to get to in this section before we move ahead we didn't really talk about williams very much yet but well, I think Williams kind of cover themselves, unfortunately, and tires, tires, and tires. Yes, uh, although they did have their double-decker rear wing out again, which is, I think, probably nothing but bad news for them. We still don't know what's wrong. But isn't so? Isn't Williams' issues really uh, arrow, arrow, arrow? That you can't make the tires work unless you're getting at least somewhere in the same neighborhood of downforce that your competitors are getting. Yeah, but you could argue that in 2014 and, and look what they achieved in 2014. You know, they, they went with a totally different philosophy whereby they went for a super um, slim sort of um, low drag philosophy um, and then they've moved away from it. Now, for a team like Williams and Force India did it for many years, I think sometimes you just have to deal with the fact that you can't really get the downforce and you have to go for the tracks where you can take the other teams out. Yeah, it seems like Williams has nothing for any track anywhere this year. It's kind of a pity. Yeah, I think they've just kind of, they've kind of got lost in themselves. You know, they 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 got this low drag philosophy, and then they've tried to adapt, and it, and it just hasn't worked. Now for a word from our sponsor, Alibris Books. Ever try and find a book that's out of print? You've got a major problem, sunshine. Because you can't find them anywhere. You know, real paper books made out of dead tree for people still stuck in the last century. At Alibris Books, they have the biggest bestsellers all the way down to the hardest to find out-of-print rarities brought to you by thousands of booksellers around the world. Alibris is where your page-turning prayers will be answered at amazingly low prices. Go to spannersready.com, scroll down and click the Alibris Books tab for up to 80% off of books. Back to racing cars. Yes, racing cars. Um, And the big mystery, I suppose, is Red Bull. How have they gotten faster? Um, Sheer luck? I know, not really. Um, Most of it, in my opinion, is down to the tyre situation because I, I cannot understand for the life of me a team like Red Bull who haven't had development. This season, they've hardly had any new parts on the RB12 and it's just staggering because... In previous seasons, we've just seen them chuck so many parts at the car. Um, you know, 2013, they continued to overdevelop um, that car, even though they'd got the championships completely sewn up. Um, and, and this season, for some reason, we've just not seen the development from them. No, and, and it just puts me in mind that uh, uh, the last time they were doing particularly well, uh, and no one could quite figure out why, it turned out they had some very, very clever and also slightly illegal bits on their front wing. <laughs> you just wonder if they found another trick in the book, as it were. Yeah, well, that wasn't a trick in the book. It was just one that shouldn't have ever been written, but there we go. <laughs> we never actually known how long they were running that wing for. That that's the that's the problem. You know, although they were found to be using that wing in Brazil, we don't know how long they were using it for. Yeah, no, no, we don't. But I'll tell you what strikes me sort of uh, as we're going to, I think, sort of jump ahead and talk about tires for 2017 is that you were talking about sort of Mercedes having these developments and then not using them because they didn't need to be five or six seconds ahead. And it, it may be their pace of development this year is because the uh, car regulations are changing so much in 2017. A lot of what they've developed is simply not going to be useful to them in the same way next year. So they're just throwing the kitchen sink at it this year. Is that sort of what you're getting at? Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. You know, the, everything for next season changes. You know, the, the, the baseline is, is a fresh. So um, 
my insinuation about Mercedes having development for the last two years thrown on this year's car, although it's a bit wacky, it's kind of, um, uh, it's almost like there were what we call in, well, I've heard people calling gaming rubber banding. You know, they've, they simply had so much pace that they didn't need to bring the development through. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's interesting being a musician. I, I worked with an organist one time who who worked for Leonard Bernstein and said that he had a desk and that everything he ever wrote that he didn't use in a piece, it got cut out of a piece, just went into a drawer. And whenever he was stuck, he just root through the drawer. And um, this is talking about Chichester Psalms. You can actually hear, if you listen carefully, a cut fight scene from West Side Story in Chichester Psalms. And so when you started talking about Mercedes, it's exactly what it put me in mind of. They're clever people. Anything they develop is going to go into a drawer somewhere, and they're just going to go rooting through the drawer for solutions whenever they need them. And since these are 2016 solutions and next year everything's changing, they're just going to take everything they can out the drawer and throw it on to see how it does. Yeah. Well, Formula One is a bit like that anyway. It's very circular. Um, You tend to see things come back into fashion a bit later down the line. Right. Well, one thing that is coming into fashion is Spanner's Ready, who looks like he's uh, got something to say. Well, me, I'm merely the conduit of the chat room and content crustacean. Love it. I love it when people have good names. You know when you go on, like, Xbox Live or something, and someone's just called, like, Dave Smith as their game attack? You could be anything in the whole world. And this guy has chosen to be content crustacean, and I approve. Tire pressure hurting Williams more than the others? See, I, I went up high at the end because it was a question mark. Uh, yeah, kind of. They've, they've, they've been struggling anyway, though. So, you know, adding this problem to an existing problem just exacerbates it even further. They're not the only ones struggling with tyre problems either. Obviously, uh, Haas are struggling with tyre temperature as well. So it's not just them. That's yes, true. but... They may be struggling less next year because I saw a recent interview with Paul Hembry that said that the 2017 tires are not going to be designed to degrade and might have larger operating windows. Gasp. You mean you mean they might be like race tires? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yes, exactly. Look, guys, we've experimented with not race tires for about five years, so now we're just going to do race tires. So I, I want to follow the back up with with what summer said about red bull in that red bull have an enormous budget right so if they're not throwing bits and pieces at their 2016 car doesn't that lead one to think i mean that that has always been an aerodynamic forward uh group uh, does that not one lead one to think that, oh, they're just completely focused on 2017. This is our 2016 car. And, and let's, let's face it. They, they have complained loudly. They've been chastised for doing so that, gee, we don't really have the power plant, but we think we have the best chassis. You know, perhaps that's a little bit of bravado in that brag. And yet we saw at Silverstone a great test of that there, right? You know, where, um, they they were able to uh, press Nico quite hard, right? You know, and gain that uh, second place uh, on pace uh, overall. Um, so, is it that these guys are focused completely on 2017 and may come out of the gates super strong in 2017? Well, yeah, there's two things I think is actually happening down at Red Bull, one of which is that they've switched quite a huge focus towards 2017 in as much as that they feel that they want to obviously challenge at the front again. But also what we have to remember is that they also work quite closely with Renault again um, in as much as that they're going to have their four cars powered by Renault next season. So there must be some effort going into Viri They've placed people at Viri, and from what I understand, they've also got a simulator chassis dynameter hookup, which nobody else has got. Um, so I think they're playing around with some pretty interesting concepts in terms of what can be changed for their power unit next year as well. What's Viri? You must remember that all the development is going to be focused on that next year. What's Viri, Summers? 
very sorry, it's the uh, place where Renault are in France. I love that. You just dropped that in as if, oh, as if everybody, everyone surely knows. Yeah, no, that's, my... a, that's a great question, Spanners. And, and that place is just outside of Paris, and it's their primary facility where they develop their racing and their F1 engines. Right. And speaking of developing, I think one last development that we have time for, unfortunately, this should just be like a nine hour show. Right? No, <laughs> I give you this full hour. OK, so that I don't get nagged during race reviews. Ah, there's so much still to talk about. But I think the other the one really big thing that came out is that once again, we've seen the halo run on the track. But unlike last time, it seems like there's a lot more opposition to it amongst the teams and drivers than we heard about last time round. And I just wondered if you had anything in particular on that. Well, I think there's there's two things to go from in, in that respect. Firstly, um, have the teams now got them fully on their models in the wind tunnel and CFD and realised, ooh, these are going to cause us some aero problems. Let's try and bin it off. Um, and secondly, um, has it not all been rushed through a bit too quickly? Um, you know, we had the aero screen, which was kind of looking at the same sort of problem uh, as the um, halo. And yeah, I, I'm not quite sure with the halo. Obviously, we've got a second version now as well. So it'd be interesting to see what we actually get in 2017. Summers? Yes. Why? Why? I can't be the only person who's going to ask this. Why is the support structure for the halo in the middle, in front of the driver's face, the face he uses to look at the racetrack? Why is there a column? Why can't you just put the two columns either side? That's maddening. Because, because that would actually be more visually restrictive. Um, what people seem to forget is that when you're sat in the cockpit, you use, uh, you know, you, your vision. You can look through that that section of bodywork. It's the it's the yeah the the thinning out that's the problem. No, I'm not the, buying it. See, when we buy the 2017 F1 racing game from Codemasters, whoever makes it right now, we won't get that. There will just be a big black lump right in the middle of the screen. I, I'm sure you won't actually, but I, I, I think that's a discussion for for another day. But I know how they can get around that problem. But yeah, um, you have to remember that when we're looking at something, we can look through something, and you don't get that when you see something static. That's the problem, the perception. No, I'm not. I'm still not De- buying depth it. Depth perception. Oh, Catman's trying to get in. Oh, yeah, and also when they've done a lot of uh, analysis in the simulators of where the drivers look while they're driving around. And they, they barely look in front of them. They're always looking at the next apex, which is invariably off to one side. So actually, you know, when they're, when they're looking straight ahead, is actually quite a rare occurrence. So hopefully it shouldn't get in the way too much. Uh, direction of travel. No, I'm not, I'm not having it. I don't care. I'm not having it. What are the odds, though, that this horrific device, and, and as, as somebody who I'm not a fan of the halo, I don't see that there's a proper justification for this thing. Um, I'm seeing the odds seem to be stacked against it, that it'll be approved and used for 2017. What are your thoughts, uh, Summers? Uh, I I still think it's going to have problems getting through, uh, especially if the strategy group gets um, some hands up from the the other teams um if one particular team doesn't like it you know there's and there's always the ferrari veto at the end of the day isn't there so you know that yeah i don't i I don't know is the honest answer that obviously we've got a secondary design now uh which is what the fia is saying is pretty much going to be the design so yeah i think it's just down to the teams and whether they object now and that was a design that that vettel complained of and the one that, that Horner doesn't like at all. So uh, I wish we had time for a proper discussion of all the issues surrounding the halo, but I felt it was important to bring it up because they did run it again and these issues have come up. But that's not all we saw at Catman. We saw a couple of new drivers on track as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit about them? Yeah, so obviously the, the, the young driver testing part of this was, was a very interesting. So we got a kind of glimpse into the future as to, to what it holds for us. And I'm not entirely sure how bright some of the future is because there were some, there's some great drivers on show like Van Dorn and that sort of thing. You know, he, he's already shown his credentials. Um, we have a guy who tested for Force India called Mazef 
Mazepin. He's a 17-year-old Russian, and, and he's relatively unknown until he was announced for, by Force India to test for them this year. Uh, and that's because in his career so far, he, he's not actually taken a single race victory in single-seaters. Uh, he's Ooh. been um, <laughs> also banned from racing in F3 for, a, for, for one oh, race yes! because he, because he, he punched Calamillot. Uh, oh, that's old school. A, a, hey, yeah, on track altercation. People are always harking back to the oh, the golden age of F1 where drivers used to like punch each other and explode. Yeah. Right, that, that, there we go. This this guy sounds amazing. What's his name again? Uh, Nikita, Nikita Mazepin. Oh man, he's he, Russian. He's my boy. He is my NASCAR boy. NASCAR is going to scoop him up. NASCAR <laughs> yeah. is going to scoop him up. Oh yeah, because <laughs> their fights are, are so manly. They just tend to cuddle each other when they have a fight. There was one recently where they had a bit of a hug and then fell on the floor. Oh, yeah. Well, did, did anyone else uh, particularly impress or disimpress you, as it were? Um, I mean, Esteban Oson, who's, uh, who's a French guy, he's really good. He's um, the Mercedes junior driver and also for Renault as well. He's uh, doing he, very well. Is he not Spanish? He's French. Why did I think he was Spanish? <laughs> no, no, he's entirely not Spanish, as I learned much to my may, unhappiness. May we, Monsieur? You know what? I follow uh, Formula Three, and he is the guy that beat uh, that Mister Verstappen. Uh, he's yeah. a good driver. You follow yeah, Formula Three, Ken? Uh, yeah, absolutely. The advantage that Formula Three has is that um, they publish their uh, races on the internet, on YouTube, and uh, yeah, it's yeah, easy. yeah. Easy to follow. Forget all that. What about when I asked for someone to cover support races? You were eerily silent on the subject. We'll chat. Matt, I think we're running out of time. Uh, We need to get to our hungriness. Yes, well, I am not hungry at all because I've already had my dinner. But there's also a race there. Oh, I always look forward to Hungry Matt, and it's not just because I'm uh, an insufferable Lewis Hamilton fan, and he tends to go very well there. But I don't know. It's it when when you when you attack that on the computer game, it's a very active track. Each corner leads into the next one. It looks like a fun experience visually. It comes across well, and I don't think it's always the procession people think it's going to be, especially in like turn one, turn two. Yes, well, if you consider Ferrari has gearboxes that randomly fail and one never knows when Mercedes brakes are going to catch on fire, the opportunity for entertainment does exist in this race. It does. So why don't we get some predictions? Oh, sorry, Ken, is that your hand up? No, it's not your hand. Sorry, it's your glass of beer. It looked very much uh, like like a... Tell you what, let's go to you then first, Ken. What's your predictions for this weekend? It doesn't have to be like the race winner, but give me give me something that'll make us go, <gasps> Ken's a wizard. Oh. Yeah, right. Okay, so very good. So this might be um, something where we see Red Bull uh, step up to it because um, they tend to slap on the downforce quite well. And uh, so they may push Mercedes into mistakes. Let's not forget, Lewis has um, an old engine. He's got to nurse it a little bit through the German Grand Prix as well as the Hungarian GP to get to his fresh engines at Spa if the predictions are correct. Give us some predictions, Catman. He's a cat man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great little twisty circuit. It's got a dusty um, track surface that really usually makes for great uh, racing, although not always for overtaking. So, you know, I, I'm not so sure that if, if Mercedes don't get out in front, they probably will take it. But as you rightly said, Ken, the, um, the, the Red Bulls tend to be really good round here with their downforce so they could give them a real run for their money trumpets give us a prediction Ooh, i think you're going to see ferrari struggle which is not so much a prediction as like you know water is wet uh but i think i think i think Ouch. you i think i'm I'm going to go with the general red bull sentiment i'm going to go over stappen for the win there you go summers give us your predictive power well, I think the the biggest thing to think about at Hungary is going to be strategy and failures, because they're going to be the things that can mix up the grid um, in qualifying and in the race. But in terms of the team to watch out for, this isn't going to come across very well. But I'm going to say McLaren, and not Shut because up. I think. Oh, you've lost not, all credibility. Uh, no, 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 no. Not because I think they're going to win a race. <laughs> oh, not because I think they're going to be at the I front. you've gone mad. But I think because they will shift ahead of the where they should be in the pecking order. So you say 
ahead of Force India then? I think so. Um, oh, that's bold. on the McLaren. That's right. a bold the, statement. Force India. India have been going well. No, I'm going to directly go against you. Force India to beat McLaren easily. It looks like our money bets are on that then this week, Spanners. Oh, yeah. That's a good point, guys. Look out. Let me plug. Let me plug stuff. Uh, go to SpannersReady.com. That is where we are doing some F1 articles and blogs. It's ramping up. It's looking pretty tasty over there, if I say so myself. Before every race, I lay down £6 worth of bets. If my wife asks, it's six pounds worth of bets, okay? Uh, and I give you my top tips uh, for the weekend's betting. We look for value bets there. So spannersready.com, you'll notice there's more F1 stuff on there. My prediction for Hungary, uh, it's to do with the Mercedes boys. Oh no, you hit your buddy. Oh, they're definitely, they are incapable. <laughs> they are incapable, the two of them. <laughs> of uh, This is the conclusion I've got to. They're incapable of racing each other properly as teammates and they're just going to keep hitting each other again and again. And it's going to be like the parent in public counting to five if you don't stop hitting each other one two and a half because when they do hit each other again nothing's going to happen it's going to be oh well we're really angry this time and if they if they do it again then then there'll be a punishment tell you what there'll be a punishment for people who fail at this quiz get your thinking caps on boys it's quick fire shout them out one point each for what are the only three tracks shorter than the Hungarian one that what we are going to? Austria. One. That's one. Monaco. Two. Who can get the third one? The third uh, one's now worth 55 points. Um, no one. Melbourne. No, wrong. You lose 10 points. Oh, ah. sad. In minus nine. <laughs> no, no one gets it. It's Canada. What year was the first Hungarian Grand Prix held? Shoot. 89. 89. Summers. 74. It's closer. I'll tell you it's closer. 86. Oh, I told you it's closer and you went the other way. (laughs) That's poor logic. Trumpets. Wait, which one was closer? There were two to choose from. It's that that was long ago. Stop living in the past. I'm not going to retract which one I said was closer. (laughs) And your failure to answer is given me three. Oh, it was 1936, so I get 15 points, which puts me in a surprising second-place lead. Okay, then, name the last five winners of the Hungarian Grand Prix between you guys. Go! Hasn't Lewis won every single one of those spanners? In my mind, yes. On performance, (laughs) on passion, on power. Yes, yeah, so that's one. So that's one point for Vortex. Vettel. Ricardo. Yeah, Vettel, Ricardo. And there's there's one more to find. Button. Jensen Button did used to win races. It was probably interchangeable <laughs> conditions and he pulled off some genius move. Okay, for 4,072 points, who has sponsored the Hungarian Grand Prix for the last two years? Take the first answer. Santander. Any advance on Santander? Pirelli. Oh, Matt Trumpets, he takes it with a oh. resounding 4,200 and however many points. I said he has won this week's quiz. Look forward to the Hungarian Grand Prix. We are going to be on the live stream around 8 o'clock UK time. Go to spannersready.com forward slash live stream where I, I promise, I promise I will put the time that we will be on there. We will be talking about the race the night of the race and you can join us live in the chat. Summers, people can find you at summersf one. .co.uk. That's right. Follow and you. on the Twitters. Yeah, follow you on Twitter because you answer like every question. Any, everyone who's listening to this, ask him, he can't resist. Ask him any tech question. He will sit there for hours and answer them. It's got a whole flood of one question coming now. Hey, <laughs> are, you, are you saying that the Mr. Apex podcast <laughs> audience isn't responsive? No, absolutely not. And where can people find you, Catman F1? So occasionally I do some writing for F1 Fanatic and also for SpannersReady.com. Oh, man. I was wondering whether yeah. you're going to say that. It's so exciting. <laughs> it's, so exciting. it's like, I was like, I can offer $0. No, it's great. Great to have you on board. Um, <laughs> definitely go to SpannersReady.com and check out Catman talking about some young F1 drivers and what they have to go through. Ken, Ken, did, did you get a flood of people following you after I told people they need to be on the Vortex Mortio Twitter stream for races? 
You know, it was so amazing. I had nobody follow me, but if uh, somebody would follow me, I would feel a little bit of love and not be so depressed. I'm at Vortex Motio on the Twitter sphere. And and that counts for real life. He doesn't mind if you follow him around in real life. Matt, plug your things. At MattPT55 and your wife, an astounding businesswoman and a talented author. That's right, Amanda Weaver. On the Amazons and the Barnes and Nobles and the get them at any ebook store, you can find A Common Scandal, her current second of three historical trilogies. It's really exciting. I was working out how long it would take to write a book. It's like a long time. There's a lot of effort that goes into that. I may never write my novel, The Colchester Experiment. So until then, wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was tech time. It was all right. I just closed my eyes and thought about race reviews, and the time time went. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps to Detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.